This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. Wow, of course, the thing on everyone's mind today, the inauguration, I have to say, as a woman in business that has often been the only woman in the room for my entire career in male-dominated fields, um, I, I got a little teary watching uh, Kamala Harris take the oath for vice president. It's really, uh, no matter your political views, it, it truly is a, a groundbreaking moment for all of us women, uh, all of our daughters, and uh, it was definitely a very emotional and thrilling moment in, in our household. And uh, I, you know, I think this is hopefully a, a moment of hope and a, a moment for all of us to turn things around. But my favorite thing to discuss on any day of celebration is food. Obviously, the most important topic every day. And uh, I'm thrilled today to have four experts who are really on the forefront of the future of food here with us today on today's show to talk all about the future of food and health, food's role in society, what our relationship with food will be post-pandemic, and so much more. I think we all have seen our eating habits have dramatically changed over the last decade, even the last year, and we are uh, always on this, uh, ur- urging ourselves to eat healthier. At the same time, we have the emergence of new technology, ingredients, uh, a rapidly changing food world. We're going to start the show off with our Tech of Tomorrow segment. Tech of Tomorrow. I'm thrilled to welcome for Tech of Tomorrow, Mark Bittman, journalist, food writer, and author of many books, including his most recent called Animal Vegetable Junk, a history of food from sustainable to suicidal. Mark, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Randy. Great to be here. What a what an exciting day. Thanks for uh, stepping away from the TV to come join us on, on my show today. Yeah, it's sort of a you'll laugh, you'll cry department for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Mark, talk to me a little bit. I mean, what has the last year been like for you in a nutshell? Um, I think same as for many other people. I've been holed up outside of New York. Um, but as a writer I and, and as a, a fairly antisocial person to begin with, my life didn't change all that much. I mean, although as the months went by, I started to feel like I was missing something socially. Uh, But I've done a lot of cooking, I've done a lot of writing, um, and I've done a lot of Zooming. Mm, So, yes, I think uh, I'm now a professional Zoomer, uh, as are are all of us. If it works, (laughs) you can say that. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. I will, I'll go change my, my LinkedIn after this. Um, I mean, how, how do you find, are you cooking more than usual? How, how has the pandemic impacted your writing and your work? Well, the cooking thing is, yes, I'm cooking more than usual because there's just no option. Um, how has it affected my life and work? I don't see as many people as I'd like to see. Uh, I think about you know, I think I have this low-level anxiety and depression, as many people do. Um, it hasn't affected my work much at all. Mm. It was actually easier to finish animal vegetable junk than it would have been otherwise because there were fewer distractions and I was basically locked up anyway. Um, but my work, although a lot of my work has to do with public health, and obviously the pandemic is a public health issue, it's not really my issue. So I, I would I'm curious about the impact of diet on people's 
um, on people's susceptibility to coronavirus, and that's something I thought about and wrote about a little bit. But um, really, the pandemic, I've been able, work-wise at least, been able to hold it at arm's length. It hasn't mm. changed things that much for me. Well, I think you have to give yourself a little credit because there were all of us at the start of the pandemic, we were like, we're going to take on big projects and do huge things. And then, you know, nine months later, most of us are still sitting on the sofa, just, uh, you know, going through the Netflix catalog. So, uh, I mean, you, you have a... <laughs> <laughs> you you have a book to show for it. Um, so tell us, Mark, about your book and uh, and what what is it that you're currently focused on and, and passionate about right now in the food space? Well, thank you for asking that. Um, the book, uh, you know, I, I wrote I've written about food for thirty even forty years, and um, and the first portion of that time was was mostly about cooking and enjoyment of food and so on. And as the years went by, I realized that food was a bigger issue than that I was giving it credit for. I mean, we all know that we need food to live, but we don't think about how big a determinant that is, that little statement is, of how the world works and how agriculture determines so much of what goes on in in society and in our personal lives. And, and I wanted to start addressing that in my work, and, and I was as a result, I... I, uh, I wrote for the Times for many, many years, not only about cooking, but about food and agriculture. And then I, I thought it would be really nice to put all of this, everything I know, and then some in a book. And that was the idea behind Animal Vegetable Junk. And it is a, a, a relatively brief summary, given how big the topic is, of the relationship between humans and agriculture and food and history and how agriculture and our need for food has shaped human history um, first from the period when agriculture began about 10,000 years ago, and then from the period when colonialism uh, and imperialism really took shape about 500 years ago, and then in the last 100 years, 50 years, and even now. So, so how has food changed humans? How have humans changed in response to the way that we developed agriculture where are we at now, and and how do we? Since since many would agree that where we're at now is a very difficult place, that agriculture is uh, is having harmful effects on the environment, and and that food and the way it's grown and processed is having harmful effects on many humans. How do we move forward to to get to a place where the food system really benefits as many people as it can? Um, how do we get to that place? So that's a that's a one or two minute elevator pitch for you. Mm. Uh, Mark, is there anything that might surprise? I mean, it, it doesn't surprise me when you say that food influences everything about how the world works, but I mean, maybe, I guess even just the gravity of that statement is I ha I've never really thought about it. So what do you think would surprise our, our listeners to learn about how, some of the examples of how food touches every part of our lives that we might not even be thinking about? Well, let me have, let, let's see how this, so, coronavirus in, in 2020 killed, say, 300,000 Americans. Something like 800,000 Americans die every year and are going to continue to die every year until we do something about it from chronic disease. Um, chronic disease is the biggest killer of Americans, and diet-related, diet is the biggest cause of chronic disease. Most 
most chronic disease is caused by diet. So here you have a sort of hard numbers primary example of um, people dying as a direct result of the way that we're growing, processing, and marketing food. We don't have to eat. It's something like 60% of the calories out on the market now are ultra-processed food. And much of that food, if you look up food in the dictionary, much of that so-called food doesn't meet that definition. It doesn't provide nourishment. It doesn't promote health. In fact, it promotes illness, so it's closer in definition to poison than it is to food. So um, if the majority of calories out there are not good for us, it means we're doing something wrong. So that's a, And it also means that, that people, not everybody has a choice about what they eat, and so people are being forced to eat food that's not good for them. It's not a matter, it's not only a matter of individual choice. Of course, individuals can make good choices or bad choices, but when most of the choices that confront you are bad, it's hard to choose well. And, th and that's the position we've put a lot of people in this country in. So, so everything, everything, most stuff about food is known. It's known that a lot of food is not good for us. It's known that agriculture is damaging the environment. It's known that uh, people who work in the food chain have a tough time of it and are underpaid. All of this stuff is known, but when you put it all together, you come to the conclusion that food is really one of the great determinants of what society looks like and that you can't really change society without changing the way we produce food, and you can't really change the way we produce food without changing society. So it is a big deal. I, mean, mm. I hope I'm making sense because it just seems quite clear to me that it is a really big deal. Mark, I'm curious, um, you know, it's January and everyone around me seems to be doing cleanses, the Whole30, paleo, you name it. Just maybe your quick thoughts on on all of these trendy diets and uh, and just uh, your thoughts on if that's sustainable. Sure. Um, you know, many of the current diets have sound science behind them and some many of them don't. So there is that kind of there is that kind of divide. I, you know, I would caution people to stay away from, I, I don't personally don't think there's anything wrong with a short cleanse or a short fast or, um, or, or anything like that. But I do think that the long-term goal is not to be healthy in January as an excuse to be unhealthy for, for from February through December and then regret that again and become and eat well in January. I think more to the point for individuals who are able to change their diets is to try to find a diet that, that meets the general principles of a good diet, which most people do, and moderate it so that it's something that you can do all the time. Whether that means, you know, only having dessert twice a week or limiting the amount of junk food or animal products that you eat in some way or another or, or cooking five times a week or 10 times a week or whatever, whatever it is that works for you. Um, I think it's much better to do a moderate diet 12 months of the year than to do an extreme diet one month of the year. Absolutely. I 
I support that wholeheartedly. Mark, in our final minutes together, what are some of your predictions for the future of food? What will be focused on? I know that's a that's a big question for for you know a couple minutes. <laughs> I mean, I'm a I I follow both politics and football, so I know how useless predictions are. Um, <laughs> I do think you know, in a nod to in a nod to the. Um, the title of this segment, I do think we're going to, for better or worse, we're going to be seeing more technology in food. We're going to be seeing more creative uh, food forms, and whether they're helpful or not, or useful or not, that's we're going to have to judge that individually. But we are going to see a bigger entry by tech into food um, because it is so important, and because um, there is so much money to be made there. So I think. I think that's one thing we're going. I don't, and as I say, that's for better or worse. I can't, I can't say about that. I think another thing we're going to see is just increased pressure uh, to get land into the hands of people who want to farm it and want to farm it well. And that, um, in theory, was something that our country was based on, but it, it's gone. That's gone awry, and we need to find ways to get land into the hands of people who want to do good far, good farming, and that's. I think we're going to see more noise about that and more action towards that. I'm hopeful that the new administration will recognize that and the new Secretary of Agriculture will recognize that. And, um, yeah, I guess if I had to pick two things, those two would be it. Excellent. Well, I look forward to uh, to following up and, and seeing uh, the, the progress in those areas. Mark Bittman, journalist, author of Animal, Vegetable, Junk. Where can people go to connect with you and find your book? Uh, MarkBittman.com is certainly the best place, and, and um, uh, there's even links to buy the book there. So that that's where I'd steal people, and it's the easiest thing to remember. Thank you for asking, Randy. Excellent. Well, stay stay safe and happy, uh, I guess, almost February now. Happy New Year. <laughs> okay. Happy New Year to you, too. Take care. Take care. That was our Tech of Tomorrow segment with Mark Bittman, one of the country's best known and widely admired food writers. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.